Hello, I'm Dan Plaschke, CEO and one of the founders of S&P Data, and welcome to another segment of Truth and Share. I'm really excited to have Aaron Gray. Aaron Gray is the Vice President of Client Success at S&P Data. Welcome. And we're going to cover off a couple really interesting topics. Um, Aaron the other day asked me if I remembered my first job. And, um, you know, I don't know if you ever in interviews, they used to always ask you your first job. It really reflects on whether you had any entrepreneurial, you know, uh, uh, background or whatever. So we talked about that. And then we're also going to talk about something that's far bigger. We are part of the contact center industry. Mm -hmm. And I've always said for years, it's a cottage industry that grew up. I always think of Unilever. We used to handle in the first business, all the Unilever brands, 800 number. And my contact was the assistant to the CEO be, who became the head of customer service because they used to get all the letters. Yeah. But it's this cottage industry yeah. that became really big. So let's first start about asking, Aaron, tell me about your first job. <laughs> my very first job. Just four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Um, I wish it was four years ago. I was My very first job, I was 12. And I got a job folding pizza boxes with my friend, um, my girlfriend Sarah at the time. Her mom worked at a pizzeria. And so we got this job to make pizza boxes in the basement of this pizzeria for two cents a box. Wow. So we showed up one day bright and early. We were 12 years old. And we got you know put down in the basement in this dungeon, it felt like. And there was a stack of 1,500 pizza boxes. And... You know, the manager said, just fold what you can and let us know. So we were down there all day folding these pizza boxes. And I'm sure that the manager forgot we were even down there. And we came running up the stairs, you know, late in the afternoon and said, we finished. <laughs> we did all 1,500 boxes. And he came down and was actually quite astonished that we did this. So, um, so that was my very first job was doing that. And when we went back after the pizza boxes were depleted, he said, um, I didn't think you two young girls could work that fast, so I'm only going to pay you one cent a box. So I was my first lesson was, I'm marching out of here. I know what I'm worth, and I'm worth two cents a box. <laughs> so you know what's interesting? Did you ever read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? I have, yes, I did. It was a long time ago. But yes, long time ago. So it's a pretty famous book, and mm-hmm. you know, he sort of talks about you know, that, that the father always wanted him to work in status quo jobs, mm-hmm. go to college. And then the other father, who was the poor dad, if you yeah. will, right? Rich dad, poor dad, mm-hmm. I guess. He always wanted his kids to work on incentive base. So yeah. that's interesting, though, that it appealed to you because the quicker you work, the more you made. Yeah. And I think that's what they said. So, you know, you talk about, I sort of, tr- Trace, you asked me this question, mm-hmm. but, you know, I traced my entrepreneurial background. I did newspaper routes. And mm-hmm. obviously the more people that would sign up, I got, I think, a few dollars to get a subscription. Mm-hmm. And then... It was based on how many you delivered. Yeah. So again, it was also speed and efficiency, yeah. though, right? Small lessons. My real inclination, what I consider my first job, I had a bunch of odd jobs like that. But the real, the first real meaningful job was that my brother graduated from a business school. He was older than me. And um, he had some guys that wanted to start a video store. It was one, And so I opened one of the first video stores in Toronto. Oh. And it wasn't... VHS? Well, as I told you. So (laughs) they were both. These guys didn't have big budgets. Yeah. And there was no blockbuster then. But, you know, these these tapes were very expensive. So first Mm -hmm. of all, I I thought of the idea of memberships. It was, you know, it was an open canvas. And so we did memberships, which drove continual behavior. But I noticed that people were ordering VHS. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Even though beta was the better format, lesson yeah. learned, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so I said to the guys, let's stop ordering beta. And so we were able to have more titles. So what would happen is you and I would want to see The Godfather. Yeah. And so, you know, the places that would run out were the ones that spread themselves thin. Yeah. So I would say, no beta, we'll just buy eight VHS. So then I learned I was an entrepreneur. So that was my... That was the most significant job. But I think these little things, like your time with your pizza box, yeah. it left a huge impression on you, right? It did, and I think it's important to ask. I've always asked that when I met with my executives team. You know, you say, what did you do? What was your first job? And sometimes they'll say, well, when I first got to university, I got a job at, you know, RBC. And I said, no, 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 no. Before that, what was your right. first job? And it speaks a lot to, you know, the entrepreneurship and the, the work um, ethic. For of, sure, in that case. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, you know, I've had executives who said, well, I actually never did work. I never had to. I never had to work. And it, I have found that the better leaders are the ones that said, oh, yeah, I had a pizza, uh, you know, a, a paper route, or I had this, or I had that. And they get absolutely excited when they talk about their first job. And usually I found, in my experience, those have been the better leaders because they do understand that. You know, Aaron, there's nothing like, I don't care, you know, you can come from health. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter. I never forget what it's like to make have your for, first independence of getting a paycheck. Yeah. Right? And I insist that my kids, my, my son's 17, and I said, you have to get a job. And he wanted to buy a pair of these ridiculously expensive running shoes. They all do. And I said, okay, you Stock need to get a job. There you go. StockX is huge. Yeah. And so I said, you have to get a job. And so he did. And then when he got a job and he paid for them, he takes care of those shoes. Boy, I tell you, he shines them up and doesn't let them get dirty and um, because he, he had to work for it. And you It's know. funny you say that. So I came out of work and I wanted to buy a car. I wanted to get a car. Mm -hmm. And so I had all these savings, and, and so my, I asked my dad, would he help me? He says, no, you can keep working. So I got my first car, and it was something that my parents didn't give me. It's exactly what you said, mm -hmm. and I kept it so beautifully yeah. clean. Like, Absolutely. You know, it's yeah. your own hard yeah, you labor. Yeah, you for it. So we talked about something else, that we're in the contact center mm -hmm. business. It's either in your blood or it's not. But, you know, I told you this when you asked me the question, you know, having set up a few companies, every one of them have gone through institutional and on my board. Invariably, I've got, we get professional investors, Harvard, Stanford, well-educated guys. And when we talk about customer, you know, I've either developed CRM, it's always customer care, um, you know, or our call center. You know, I always think of, of the people that are in the business. And so the question I'd like to ask is, in my case, I actually studied it in school. Mm. I looked at the breakup of AT&T mm. and saw that these break, these numbers and that it was going to set a whole distributed, you know, the telecom space, especially with MCI, there was going to be a huge onslaught. So I studied them and I wrote a paper on it that the breakup in Canada had not yet happened. Yeah. So there was no competition. So that was my thesis. So it yeah. became my thesis. But um, so I actually studied it. Um, and so with some deliberate nature, but what you and I always say, it's a cottage that grew in that, you know, nobody went to school or nobody goes to Harvard or Stanford and says, I want to learn call center. And before you know it, a cable company, a bank, yeah. you're more people in that area. So mm -hmm. how'd you get into this space and how'd you know it was the right fit for you? Well, I always say that, you know, call center industry is the accidental career. You know, you usually you graduate from university, which is what I did. And once I was graduated. My father says, you're officially an adult now, and I'll get out of my house. <laughs> so I needed That's to right. find a job so I could him. pay for my own rent. So 
I, um, what we don't say to our kids today. I know, it's so true. Right. They'll uh, be here forever with COVID. I know. <laughs> right. They'll never leave. Right. Um, anyway, so I, my first job, I was at RBC as a call center agent. Um, and I thought, well, I'll do this for now until I get, quote unquote, a real job. And then I stayed for 10 years. And it, I probably was at a really energetic time. It was, the, it was in the 90s and around, you know, close to when you started your career in, in, in running call centers as well. Um, and it's really where, you know, customer service was maturing into customer experience. Correct. And co- companies, smart ones, were realizing the investment in that frontline um, layer of they're not just glorified receptionists. These are people who are going to be representing your brand right. on the phone and dealing with your customers and how to leverage that to and grow with it. Um, and so that was how I got into customer experience and, you know, was able to realize that, I don't just have to be tied to one industry when you have a passion for call center or customer experience. You can translate that into a variety of different industries. So you can go, like in my career, I went from insurance to credit card, from credit card to retail, from retail to senior living, right. <laughs> and then back to insurance. And now, of course, I'm in a, um, uh, at S&P Data. So uh, when you have a passion for the customer, you can build a career within contact center. And you have passion for leadership and people leadership because there's such a buzz in the call center. I love being right. around them. And when you when you you love that buzz and you love that vibe that you get out of the call center, you can uh, you can really make a career out of it. It's funny because you know if you would have asked me as a teenager, even going into college, what was my passion? It would have been interesting. I'm not sure what it was, but you know I loved sports, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to make a career of it. Yeah. And I've always had a passion for what I do. I'm so excited by. You know, because of COVID nineteen, the changes in the industry mm-hmm. been very favorable for S and P data. You know, now there's new innovation. It's the new frontier. Yeah. I mean, think about a bank. Hard to believe that a bank would allow all of its contacts, digital and yeah. vo- voiced, to be taken now from a home. I mean, everything's on the table. It's extremely yeah. exciting. What I found I'm passionate about, like you said, is, you know, we've worked with the, it's the client's business, mm-hmm. and you know. I've, I've done work in the past two decades of American Express, and one of the senior executives once said, how do you know so much about our brand? And I was sitting across the table from some really powerful ad agencies and some of the best consulting companies, and I said, I listen to your calls, I listen to the customer. Yeah. You live and breathe, and that's really the lifeblood of yeah. right? So it's it's... By the way, one of the things, you know, I'd love your opinion, but, you know, you talked about, you obviously love the buzz, Mm -hmm. but how is the buzz going to change with COVID-19? How do you create the culture, you know? Mm -hmm. um, Remotely. I mean, I think a lot of it is moving to that remote space and, uh, you know, the the, the centers that are able to really still motivate and and have that buzz remotely are the ones that are ultimately going to win. And I know at S&P Data, you know, we're working really hard to look at innovative ways to 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 maintain that that buzz, right. that call center environment where you still have it. I was, you know, one of the the directors here in the call center invited me to a call where we had all the agents come on the phone, and we just talked about what's your favorite movie, what's your favorite sports right. team, and why. That's just really to have that sense right? of camaraderie and the excitement that you got out of it. And then during that that time, they said we want you also ask questions about you know a sales tactic or or the business. And we and we invited our, our client uh, to come to the to the session and to ask the client questions. And once the agents felt really comfortable talking about themselves and their likes and dislikes and their favorite movie, then they felt more comfortable asking our clients, hey, can you help me? How do I, how would I handle this situation on the call? I, I had a call like this and I'd love to have your advice. 
and the clients loved it. And it, so you can create that buzz virtually. Um, you know, shame on us if we don't People take it. People miss it too, right? They miss it, but we have the technology now. So, you know, it's, it's, we wouldn't, we, we don't deserve to be in this business if we don't start tapping into this technology. Um, and shame on, shame on us if we don't pay attention to it and, and capture it when we find that, that use of technology. Because when you use it, you can create that buzz and that excitement. It's, right. it's there. It's virtually there. Um, and that generation of, that we're bringing into the call center are used to engaging virtually. You know, they engage with their friends. They engage with their, their family, all virtually. So it's, it's new to them. It's us. You know that or we're finding the buzz is different. They're used to having the buzz on on a computer or on a on a on a Correct. on a phone. So you're, by the way, so you're you're obviously an ideas person, mm-hmm. and so now that you're on sort of the supplier side with a diversified portfolio, yeah. do you think you're? I've I said this to someone else that recently joined us, who came from, you know, a senior position in telecom, and I said you will be surprised, but you will be more listened to if you can show credibility of your ideas. Mm-hmm be proactive with the client, mm-hmm. right? So they don't have to manage you. Mm-hmm. You will be heard at a higher and more senior level than you were internally. Yeah. So from your perspective, same idea. I mean, you're incredibly smart. Um, you've been at some of the best financial institutions in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think your voice will be different here internally with the client? versus when you're in these organizations? I think the fact that I've sat on the other side of the table on their side, that you know they'll understand that I appreciate their point of view because I was once the client. Um, and I think you know, just being really humble, uh, I think I've always found that when you, you come in humbly to a role um, and you know, be very transparent that this is my first time on this, uh, sitting Correct. on this side of the table, uh, being able to come in and be humble about that, there's you know, usually that permission to let you then ask questions that perhaps you would say, I, you know, I, I'm just wondering about. You know you my favorite about this? question, right? Yes. How are you? How are we doing? On a scale of one to five. That's our, a frightening question. It is a frightening question. If our contract was renewed tomorrow, would you renew it? You know, it's a frightening question to have, but it's it's an opportunity for them to say. Actually, I want to talk to you about something, and that's a fantastic opportunity. I love that. Mm-hmm. So what Aaron and I are referring to is we had a call, and I, I don't know, you and I, this was before the call, but mm-hmm. in one of my leadership discussions on uh, truth and share, everything you always wanted to know but were afraid to ask, um, <laughs> I talked about sort of my leadership style, and I've always had, you know, when the ultimate for me in client success is really asking the question, are you happy? Mm-hmm. And it's a question that, I always tried to ask our team to ask. And it's a frightening question. And, you know, by the way, um, I would think any retailer should just say, are you happy? Yeah. You hear it quite a bit. But in the meantime, they would have an are you happy desk. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, uh, you seem to really like that. So why do you like that? Because it's your style, I think. Well, but, I think you're, I mean, you know, the whole idea of, of the truth, you know, the self chef set you free, that's it. Like if you if you want to go to your client and be to have that transparent relationship is to ask it. And I, you know, I took your lead and I asked a client, um, you know, my intro call with them, I asked that question and it, we had, we, it turned into a really great conversation. Right, you're going to not always hear what you want to hear. No, I heard some things I didn't want to hear, but right. at the same time I heard but some wonderful gonna, things too. Right, no listen, mm-hmm. you're trying to get through it. You're trying to yeah. improve your service delivery, yeah. so why not ask? You have to lean into the discomfort, and I always found that you always end up being your most successful when you're your most uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable question to ask, but if you can lean into the discomfort, you will end up getting um, the information that you need to hear and right. then act on it. 
Yeah, great. So anyways, those are some of the things that we're discussing. So we've reviewed what was her first job, what was our first job, um, call center, a cottage industry that grew up, and three just different approaches being on the client side versus the service side. So Aaron Gray, thank you very much. Again, everything you always want to know is afraid to ask. And remember, the truth shall set you free. Absolutely.